everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. I just want to say thank you for everyone uh, out there right now. Obviously, uh, we're ahead on recording uh, because I stockpile the recordings in case I ever get sick or my staff gets sick or I have any emergencies in life. I don't want to slow down the show. And I know when the audience tells me if I missed releasing an episode, so I haven't done that in a very, very long time. But we do stay ahead. We are doing, but the downloads, the support, the sharing, the positive comments on the episodes the supporting the entrepreneurs who are on here, sharing their stories or writing comments on their individual episodes and giving them five stars or whatever number of stars or likes or whatever you can do depending on the platform because we syndicate uh, through a lot, a lot of platforms out there in the world and over 133 countries now. And it's pretty incredible. I just had this the other day before we introduce our guest. I thought I knew all the countries in the world because I'm kind of a dork. But there's like countries that are still coming up. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that. And where is this country? And I'll let everyone know which country this is in a little bit. But I don't want to uh, deplore or deviate from where we are. Sorry, wrong word. Deviate from where I'm going right now. And um, because I really want to introduce our guest, I want to talk to him. And I will drop the name of this crazy, weird place um, and give everyone a little backstory. But I don't want to take away from the entrepreneur right now. So... Christian Mickelson of Mission Burgers and Chicken from Wenatchee, Washington. Uh, how are you doing today? And I also know that we have a lot of fans that are friends of Justin Fox and Birch Mountain Barbecue, which is also, he's been on this podcast a few times. So this is kind of cool that we've got this community building um, in Wenatchee, uh, Washington. So Christian, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you. I've had yeah, too much I appreciate coffee you today, having so. me on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a little too much coffee today because I'm recording so many episodes. I think I overdosed a little bit, so I'm pretty hyper and hyped up. But um, let's talk about your story, like like your childhood, how you grew up. You know, were there entrepreneurs in your family? Um, how'd you sort of get the entrepreneurial bug, for lack of a better term? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I grew up. My dad, when I was a kid, was an orchardist, so he ran our own orchard businesses here in Wenatchee, which is kind of famous for apples. And so we had all types of apples, cherries, pears, um, throughout the whole Valley. And, uh, so I grew up, you know, he ran his own business. And so I kind of worked for him with some of my first work, just working out in the orchard. And so I guess that's kind of where I, you know, I saw being what being your own boss is kind of can be. <laughs> and I liked that idea, I suppose. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And I guess that's kind of where the food came in, too, just, you know, growing up on the orchards and was always a big part of everything we did growing up. You know, I was lucky enough to grow up. My mom kind of made five dinners, a, you know, a week at home and we sat down for dinner every night. And so food was always a big deal. So, so let's talk a little bit about this. What was it like growing up in an orchard? I mean, I've got to imagine that your parents are hard workers, like your dad's running his own business. So even at a young age, you're probably doing various tasks on this farm. Like, what were you doing? Like, what was it like growing up in this environment? And sort of how did you help your father if you did? Like, to explain to me that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I was kind of young, so I didn't do... I mean, the work never ends on the orchard and when you have to do it, you have to do it. There's no, I'll get to it tomorrow, <laughs> you know, depending on weather or whatever. But most of my work was kind of changing water lines, checking water lines, making sure that they were working um, kind of throughout the whole summer. And then in harvests, I kind of did a little everything. I tried picking a couple of times. Um, that's really hard. Picking fruit is incredibly hard. And so I kind of bowed out on that and then just started working driving tractors and four wheelers around and hauling fruit. Um, and so that's kind of most of what I did. Uh, and then just helped my mom with some of the, not really the book work stuff, but some of the stuff organizing, I guess. Yeah. But so I always loved like the harvest, like harvest was such a fun time, you know? So talk to me about what you guys were harvesting and, and like, how do you yeah. manage harvesting vegetables because are and fruits, I guess. Um, and whatever you guys were doing, I guess in orchards, mostly fruit, maybe. 
but um, I should yeah. probably know more about this, uh, being that I'm in the food business. But how? Talk to me about what this looks like. What's that seasonality look like, and and what that meant for you as a kid? Like you're obviously saying that's the exciting part. So why was it exciting, yeah. and, and what was going on there, and what were the fruits you or vegetables you guys were cultivating? Yeah, so it was mostly we did mostly apples. Um, that's the house I grew up in was on like a 13 acre apple orchard where we had like golden delicious and red delicious. And then when I was a kid, it was a big transition. You put we put in a lot of Fuji, Fuji apples when that kind of blew up on the scene. Every few years, like a new apple kind of blows up. I feel like, and everybody kind of <laughs> hops on and starts growing it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the work starts early in January where you're you know, pruning the trees to get them ready for the next, um, season. And then well, right now in Wenatchee, we're in the apple blossom festival. It's like the big yearly festival that Wenatchee has. So there's lots of blossoms out. And then once the blossoms die down here in a week or two, then you actually start seeing some of the little, the little fruit coming on the trees, whether they're apples or cherries. And I mean, really depending on the weather and how warm it is, cherries will probably be coming off the end of june so a month and a half that's the first one that really hits big around here um and then and then you kind of get into some stone fruits for the next few weeks over the summer and then really kind of mid-september that apple season hits and pears kind of hit around the same time and then you got those coming off trees probably i don't know kind of through october um and so really we did cherries too. So our harvest started in June and then we were pretty much doing that. Once cherries are done, you're into apples pretty quick. I love this. Um, I like apples a lot. Um, I grew up near orchards in Maryland. Um, obviously not like the Washington apple market, you know, or the New York apple market. But when I went to school in Pennsylvania, there was an orchard near us as well and near Carlisle. Um, that I would go to a lot and get fresh fruit and stuff like that. And I always enjoyed that type of stuff and the vegetables and the farming. I even had fruit stands growing up, a few of them. Uh, worked at one at first to learn it and then actually launched my own uh, in a partnership with someone who was would partner with me and all the stuff Whole Foods wouldn't take, we would take and sell on our four fruit stands, or actually fruit and vegetable stands. And so we go from our farming communities into the the better well-off communities in Maryland, like Potomac, Bethesda, North Potomac, uh, Gate, uh, Germantown, and we'd sell the fruit there. Um, and, you know, because it was fresh and it was organic at the time, like 30 plus years ago, or no, like 30, 25 years ago, I guess, um, you know, it was attractive to people. So I can relate to this a lot. Um, I don't always have the terms, but I like working in this type of environment. I'm very much a manual labor type of person. I get a lot of fulfillment in the tangible things. That's probably why I ended up in food. You can create something, you know, transition it, put love into it, hard work, and make it more valuable through doing that. And I love that part about it. So let's talk a little bit about this because I do want to talk about your business and how you got into um, Mission Burgers and Chicken. But talk to me about the lessons you learned on the farm. Like, what were your educational experiences? What are some of the things like you're like, this is something I really learned in life that's benefiting me now? Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess just that hard work. I mean, and like kind of like you're saying, like I'm kind of a manual labor type myself, which lent itself to the food industry real well because there's always work to do, I suppose. And so – you know, I guess just watching my dad get up at like, you know, sometimes 3 a.m. to go, you know, whatever, spray the orchard or change the water because the wind is kicking up and you just kind of that. And so I guess that consistency and just when it's time you you have to work every day. And I think sometimes in in restaurants and in food, like, you know, if you do something for a long time, it gets it can get kind of stagnant and you just got to got to keep plugging along and keep doing the same thing and so talk to me about how you get into restaurants and you go from an orchard you have food like the origination of food basically you're growing it you're cultivating in your family how do you start to make the transition into being a restaurant owner and a, a restaurateur entrepreneur 
Um, talk to me about that. Where did you have a lot of interest in food and restaurants at, at, at early on in life? You know, I, I didn't cook a lot as a kid. Like I said, my mom made most of the meals and I like cooked or helped a little bit here or there, but it's not something I grew up, you know, baking all the time or anything. And so I don't really know. I just kind of, I was like 15 and I just decided I wanted to be a chef, I guess, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of when, I mean, Food Network wasn't even really that big back then or anything, but uh, I just kind of knew. And then, you know, my older brothers and sisters worked in restaurants. So I started as a busboy. And then after that, I got a job at just the local burger spot. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with that team camaraderie. I grew up playing sports too, team sports. And so it kind of reminded me some of that. And I just remember getting like these huge rushes where, you know, people are ordering, you know, 25 burgers every other car and just having to pump through it. And some people thriving in, some people don't, I guess. And I just really enjoyed that energy and then the teamwork part of it too and you know and it can be fun when it's fun it's a lot of fun and that's what i kind of loved about it i guess is having fun in the kitchen yeah i love this because it's almost like you had something instilled in you at birth like i uh, being a chef but because like your mom did all the cooking it took a while for you to find it and and grow it and fertilize it and and do these type of things so I mean, how'd you gain experience in this where you're just like, once I did this, you were trying to get like, I'm going to go to this place and that place. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that because you seem like yeah. a very disciplined, hard worker. So how do you go about now gaining experience as a chef? Well, and so that's, you know, after that, I got a job at another burger restaurant and then decided I was going to community college and working on a degree for something else and then just kind of decided that that wasn't actually what I wanted to do. And I just, I was working, cooking full time while going to school and then just decided to go to culinary school. Um, and that's kind of cause I mean, Wenatchee back then is kind of, you know, there's not a lot of great food restaurants. It's a lot of take things out of a box and cook it. You know, there wasn't a lot of people doing anything from scratch or progressing food, but, uh, so I moved to Portland and went to culinary school and then it took me a little while to get kind of out of that kind of burger kind of, I don't know, brew pub type food. But then I worked, I moved down to New Zealand and that was the first like awesome restaurant I kind of worked in. As in New Zealand, the country? Yeah. Okay. This is like, I was not expecting that. I, lo I love this. Yeah. So, so after I graduated there. Yeah, so I graduated culinary school in Portland. Um, I went out to Bend, Oregon for a little while and worked for another um, really good chef, but it was a short amount of time before I decided I wanted to travel. And I kind of had a, a friend connection down in New Zealand, so <clears throat> just bought a ticket, a one-way ticket, got a holiday working visa, and went down there and um, just landed in a good spot. Just kind of all worked out and got offered a job and a place to live at a good restaurant like on a on a dairy farm um kind of out in the country and it was a relatively new restaurant um but they had that was the first time you know i'd seen like big gardens where i don't remember us buying herbs like the entire year i was there or greens like we grew a ton of stuff <clears throat> and like that guy's that chef's family was probably some of the hard, they probably are the hardest working people i've ever met in my life and uh, they're very successful still and have an awesome restaurant down there and a castle. I love which is this. kind of cool. Yeah, keep going. I love this story. Like, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I spent a year down there just kind of and, you know, did a little bit of everything. I did a lot of pastry stuff because they have this really cool tea time down there, you know, where you have like your lunch rush and then like an hour and a half later, you get at like three or four, you get a, you know, another rush of people just coming in and having little afternoon tea and then cake or scones or whatever. So it was kind of cool. I got to do a, a ton of pastry work, bacon bread, and then also doing like the savory. We did a bunch of events and catering. So catering has kind of always been in my background as well. Um, yeah. And so I was only there a year cause that's all my visa was good for. Um, after that, I kind of just traveled a little bit more kind of through Australia, then Central and South America, then ended up back up here in the Northwest. 
Let's talk about this. While you were traveling, were you exploring food? I mean, because oh, it's yeah, part I, of your... So talk to me about like your yeah. travel through food. Like what countries, what places impacted you the most? Because I think this builds up to this business that you built that's so sure. cool and diverse and unique. So Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I started off going through like um, Central America and Guatemala was probably one of my favorite spots. And I just tried to eat, you know, I was on a budget, so I wasn't eating at... And most restaurants you went to were serving pizza or pasta. And so I really tried to eat as much as possible at the kind of more street food or kind of home down home type cooking. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite meals I ever had was in Nicaragua in Antigua. And it was just like a, a crispy, like pork skin salad with like a bunch of jalapenos and like cilantro. And I just remember they served it with this like Jamaica Jamaica agua fresca I guess and it was like sometimes the place helps make the meal too you know but I just that's one meal I'll never forget is that crispy pork skin salad and that Jamaica and just sitting out in the sun you don't get those moments very often (laughs) yeah no kidding I this is really incredible experience because I'm very much the same way I have to keep moving and I love the world of food um and usually if you want to see more of the world, you have to budget yourself a lot. And um, the food part of travel is just such such an important thing. It's one of the reasons I'm doing the TV show Foodtopia and we're in development um, for the 18 seasons over 12 years is we're trying to expose the world to food around the world, but like a reasonable food, you know, and we're trying to tell the backstories like the where the food comes from, how it's processed, the entrepreneurs that are involved in every journey. So what you're doing here is really cool because I think unintentionally when we expose ourselves to the world and we allow ourselves to experience the world, particularly in food and in the food business as food entrepreneurs, we gain like a cultural understanding. We make a lot of bonds and friendships everywhere we go. And we learn a lot of things about food and community and that no matter what we look like, no matter what culture we're from, no matter what government our country has or structure of government, all of us bond around bread or food or breaking bread, sorry, around food. And so I want to keep going into the the restaurant, but I'm just curious, did you meet a lot of people? What was it like? Because you're exploring food also. So I got to imagine you're like, oh, how did you cook this? Or how did you do this? Were you, was that going on at this point? Uh, I mean, I, not so much like delving in and like asking the people making the food, I guess I didn't really do um, a, a, a ton of that. Um, cause I was kind of, you know, I was Relaxing. in a group, I was in a group of people cool. and like, yeah. So, and we were kind of constantly on the move. So, um, but which was really cool, but also it would have been nice to kind of hang out in a couple spots, I guess. There's a few spots you're like, all right, I'm ready to move on. And then there's a couple spots you're like, oh, I can hang out here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. Like, um, like Ecuador was really cool. Cause just all the different like juices and it was so awesome because you could get you know you just get a lunch plate and they get it's like a two-course meal for like i remember paying like a dollar fifty or something like that and you get like a nice big bowl of like chicken soup and then a whole plate with salad meat rice beans and then like a cup of like fresh papaya juice and you're like uh I don't get you don't get that very many places, I guess. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's not the trees where they're just getting them from either. You know, they're right. being shipped everywhere. I love this. So you yeah. end up back in the United States. Do you end up back in Washington? Yeah, I I kind of started in Washington, but then I I I really went pretty quickly back to Central Oregon, down to Bend, um, and then that's kind of where probably my favorite chef and restaurant I've ever worked for was there. His name is Chef Ramsey. He just closed down his restaurant that I worked at um, called Jules. But he's a his mom was from Oregon, but his dad was from Beirut. And so he kind of grew up in Beirut and like worked for CNN. And this is like back during kind of when they were I think it was like the Civil War. And so it was pretty crazy time. And so he's just and so that's kind of where my love of more Lebanese, Middle Eastern, kind of North African, Mediterranean food. And so that's kind of one of my focuses in what I do, because I worked for him for, you know, four or five years. Um, And he kind of really taught me how to make money in a restaurant, you know, because when you're kind of young and cooking, you just want to make 
cool, interesting food, I guess. <laughs> and but you know, making money is a whole nother conversation, I guess. Well, and we see that on Instagram right now with all the reels and people making crazy food and stuff and doing all that. Like, I get it, but it's not. There's some that are doing it, it the right cool. way that's yeah. sustainable, but and it looks cool and it gets eyeballs and followers. And I think that that's one of the best things ever. Like, you want to build your brand that way, but. Yeah. I do find that if you're going to stick to these crazy things over a long period of time, it's just not a sustainable model. You will run yeah, out of money. Yeah, it's not because, very practical. Exactly. Um, and it's great for Instagram. And it's great for Facebook. But I don't know that it actually adds to the bottom line for most businesses. You have to be really creative, and there's some really good entrepreneurs that can turn it into dollars, but it depends on your product, and it depends yeah. on your restaurant. And so yeah. – um, I think that that's part of what we're saying here is how do you actually deliver food over and over again? And it's not just a gimmick, you know, because ultimately you could have 500,000 followers on Facebook or Instagram, which is great, but you could go under the next day because you're not turning that into dollars. And that's great that you're doing all the reels. The most important thing is people showing up every day to, you know exchange some money for some food <laughs> yeah and i'm and i'm not knocking that what people are doing believe me but yeah. i'm just saying that it takes a lot of years of experience and going through things like reels or other you know big hits in food to realize that oh you ride a trend how long does the trend ride and if you're not a business you're one of the numbers that are like oh you know that every restaurant that starts only like blah 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 survive the stupid statistics i try not to think about yeah. it because i'm like i'm always the one that says yeah but if you're on the winning side it's a hundred percent of the time that you're winning you know and right. so if you can Absolutely. make sure you win but it's not being gimmicky it's not getting caught up in the mess it's not getting turning over your brand to someone else it's building your business and that's what i love about you're doing that's what attracted me to your website that's what attracted me to your brand is i feel like you have this experience and you're putting together high quality products and the pictures on your instagram are showing a higher quality product a flavorful product and it's not about the gimmick or how big you can make it or or how many falafels <laughs> you can fit in a sandwich you know it's yeah. more about yeah what is it that i'm doing and how am i doing it so you're talking about uh, chef ramsey like he, and at the time, like, so you worked there for four years, like you gained all these skills from him. We talked about the food, like what else was like beneficial from that experience for you? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess the, the most important thing from him was just, like I said, kind of learning how to, and he had me, he took me out of the kitchen and made me a server for a while too. And so I kind of got to see, you know, the other half. And I was pretty hesitant to do it at first. Um, and then I kind of just decided to go for it and it actually worked out really well. Um, and so just, I guess kind of showed me, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, I guess, you know, we kind of kept our menu pretty tight, which was another kind of how you make money, I guess. (laughs) Um, and just everything you make, just being able to consistently put out the same product, I guess while not being, you know, a McDonald's and still keeping it fresh. Yeah. Um, the consistency but then is just hard. seeing, yeah. And, and that's it. And so you have a great idea. It's a great dish, but can you put out 20 of them in the middle of a busy service? You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of times you kind of get stuck in these great ideas and then execution wise, it just doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and especially on high volume situations, all of a sudden the volume increases and something becomes popular that you wish didn't become popular, even though you're like, oh, thank for, thankful yeah. for the money. But you're like, what did I do to myself on this one? And Right. And and it's hard to sometimes when you're thinking of something, you're like, oh, yeah, this will be great. It's going to be awesome. And then when you actually start doing it, you're like, oh, this is really difficult and isn't really worth <laughs> what I'm putting into it, I guess. Yeah, Absolutely. So what's the transition? Like, where do you go from Chef Ramsey and Ben Oregon to where do you go from there? Yeah. So after that, I kind of moved back up here for a year thinking I was going to, you know, try and start a food truck or something like that, or, you know, try and be an entrepreneur instead of just working for other people. It, it didn't really pan out. Um, I took a job at a resort up here called Sleeping Lady um, as a sous chef. And I did that for a year before I moved back down to Portland. Um, 
And then I worked for a lady, Jen Lewis, who was, um, had a couple of restaurants in Portland and that was a great experience. One was called Lincoln. Um, that's where I worked and I worked for her for a couple of years and that was kind of, you know, she went and did some food and wine events and some of these big kind of events. She has a couple of cookbooks out. Um, but, uh, I was lucky enough. She took me to New York once for like a, I think Alex's lemonade stand event that was just exposed me to stuff, you know, I've never seen. That was my first time in New York. And so that was pretty cool doing this super high end dinner for, you know, a good cause. Um, but then after that, she also took me to a food and wine event in Pebble Beach, um, which was amazing. And that was one of the best like food weekends I've ever had. It's really interesting because you've been around the world and you've done all these things. You have in New York and city and Pebble Beach, California, or I think it's California are the places yeah. that like gave you like such crazy food experiences. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely. And that was, you know, when I, you're at like an after, after, after party at like 3 AM and there's guys slinging like foie gras donuts and you're just like, what, <laughs> what is going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been there where you come from your world and then all of a sudden your mind's just blown what people are doing with food. You're like, Oh my gosh, I never thought about that, but Holy crap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. What'd you learn from her? I mean, you spent some time with her, I, you know, and what was the most value you got out of that particular situation? Um, just, I, I, her business sense was, um, next level. Like she just knew how to, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of just how to put it, but she just knew how to work business and get, and work with people and other companies and kind of collaborate, you know, and it wasn't just a, I'm going to own my restaurant and just be here and kind of trying to branch out and kind of. You know, I guess just working with other businesses um, and forming those business relationships is really kind of what yeah. I got. Yeah, I want to anchor there. this um, a little bit because I think most people think being an entrepreneur is about the idea and it's about executing the idea. It is to an extent, and I agree. And in good food, obviously, but those are like more like the golden ticket or the ticket to enter the match. After you've been in the match, you've then got to build relationships. Because so many Absolutely. people just skip over it. You got to build a relationship with other businesses in your community, including your quote unquote competitors. You've got to yeah. you've got to network with them. You've got to find a group of people in your community that are in restaurants and businesses that that aren't trying to knock you down or tall poppy you or um, crab bucket you. You know, they're trying right. to actually grow the community and they realize that if all of them work together and they grow the food businesses and they figure out a way to do it together, that there'll be more people coming more nights into the food in these restaurants Absolutely. and they can share the wealth. Um, and then, of course, the customers, it's about building relationships as well. You want to make more money. It's the producing really good, consistent, disciplined food, which I agree with you. you have Like a lot of places don't con- produce the same product over and over again, especially when they go to expansion or franchising or whatever. It's very hard that they replicate that thing. But one of the things I will say is that building the relationship with the customer, so many people just skip over it nowadays or turn it over to a third party that they forget to right. build these relationships. Yeah, uh, I agree. The customer experience, I and I mean, I... I like to provide great cause I'm there all the time. I take orders, you know, which is nice. And like some people that come often enough, you're like, Oh, you're the owner. You're taking my order. And they just get like really excited and then have a little conversation. And it, I, I, that part is super important because it, like you're saying, it's the community, you know, and people in a small community, like supporting other people in a small community. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. Um, so, like, where do you go from here? I mean, you're, you, you keep ending up sort of back in Washington and then bouncing back out. So where do you yeah, go from so, this experience? Well, so, oh, from this one I'm in right now? No, from the one oh. that with, uh, Oh, for, yeah, yeah. In Portland. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I got a, well, it's, it's funny. Um, another person that worked at Lincoln with me, um, was in the process of opening up his own restaurant and started talking to me about being the, the opening chef and everything. And so, so I went and did that. Um, and that was my first experience kind of 
opening a restaurant like from scratch. It was my first time fully opening, designing the menu, helping design the kitchen, putting everything in, getting it up off the ground. Um, and so I learned a lot that definitely helped me start this business here. Um, kind of learned a few things maybe not to do, but uh, definitely had to figure out a lot more to get this one up and going. What type of so restaurant yeah, was it at? It was, um, it was kind of like a, it was called Vagabond, kind of like a, a foodie bar, I guess I might say. Like it was called Vagabond because he wanted food from kind of all over the world, like a traveler type, kind of like what we've been talking. So it kind of fit with what I like to do anyways, which is a lot of different flavors from everywhere. Um, You're stacking well, quite a bit of skills at this point, which is impressive. Yeah. And so I, let's see, I was probably around like 34 at the time, I guess. And so, yeah, I, I made the menu and we made a bunch of own pasta, smoked some meats, you know, and it was, it was good. We did some brunch on the weekends. Um, but then it kind of, you know, as some things do, it kind of fizzled out a little bit. And uh, then I was offered, I was kind of interviewing for a executive sous chef job out in Colorado. Um, that my chef from the resort here was trying to get me to do and then at sleeping lady. And then it was pretty funny because the food and beverage director from sleeping lady called me like a few days later and offered me his job. Um, and so I kind of had a decision move out to Colorado and take this job or come back here and be an executive chef at the resort here. And so that's what I chose to do. Um, so yeah, I moved back to the hometown area. And that was my first chef job. And I did that for like three years, um, you know, going into COVID. And then the first year, I guess, 2020, right? Yeah. Um, so I got through. That was just an incredibly difficult, difficult year. And <laughs> I got through most of that and then just decided I didn't really want to do the, the corporate resort job any longer. Um so yeah, and that's when the plan started brewing for Mission Burger. Um, I always knew like from probably like my mid, even when I was in New Zealand and I was like 24, 25, I always had this idea of wanting to do a burger joint, you know, because that's kind of where I started. And so, and then I never even thought I'd move back to Wenatchee. I was pretty happy not living in Wenatchee, but I ended up back here. And then after a year, I was like, you know, thinking about moving or doing something else. And I was like why would I move? You know, it's awesome here. There's opportunity here. And so I decided to stay and, you know, two months after I left, uh, the resort just right down the street from where I live. Um, I saw this burger place and had a for sale sign in the window and, uh, just made a couple phone calls, met with them and got that process going. Yeah, it's really cool how this all happened. So let's talk about this a little bit. Like, you're just like, I'm going to do this. This is the right step. I mean, how long did it take you when you're like, okay, I don't like what I'm doing now. I need to be independent. How did you, how long did it take? And, and what were sort of, you mentioned some of the steps, but like, what were like the major decision points where you're like, I'm out, I'm really doing this? Uh, you know, once I left, because I, you know, I made decent money and, that I went and worked at my sister's restaurant, just like bartending and serving and working like part time. But uh, I just knew like once I left, I was like, I was going to look for um, just for something like a location or whatever, and then try to make it happen and just figure it out. And, it, you know, I didn't have like the menu planned or anything like that. But once I got the location, like it just it just started falling into place, I guess. Um but yeah, I knew I knew that summer, like I said, that 2020 summer, it was just incredibly stressful in staffing. And I knew right then I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do something else. <laughs> I love this. So you, how'd you come up with the name Mission Burgers and Chicken? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's something that I didn't have until after we had already pretty much signed the papers on the place. So I had to figure it out. So the hometown um, ski place um, up just right up the road from where we live is called Mission Ridge. Um, 
And so I kind of, and then there's, there's other businesses in town that use that name. You know, it's a pretty, I liked it cause it tied to the community, but also was very vague <laughs> and could be anything, you know? Um, so I kind of liked that. And then I just kind of tried to tie some of the menu names into, um, you know, the local, the local mountain up there. Um, that's where like the bomber pickles, like there's bomber Ridge cause there's an old bomber plane up there. And I kind of just tried, which I kind of thought a lot of places down here weren't necessarily trying to tie into that apple or orchard history, you know? And so I kind of thought that'd be a fun way to kind of get people interested and excited, I suppose. Love this. So let's talk about your menu. What are the items on your menu? Like the burgers, the chicken, how'd you develop them? You, I've seen like um, other types of sandwiches on there or things that are put in a pita I should say because I don't want to give it away I'll want you to explain it yeah and uh so how did you sort of develop the menu you, you wanted burgers and then talk to me about how you came up with the ideas to sort of all these sub recipes like you talked about the pickles as well just let's go into the deep the dirty dirty on all of it sure uh so you know I knew I wanted to do smash burgers um I had never because they're obviously kind of big and trending at the time you know and kind of everybody's doing them now but uh so i knew i wanted to do that and i just myself i'm i'm a double guy like i want double meat double cheese like every time and i kind of like the thinner patties yeah me too you know too. double my <laughs> and, meat. you know i i worked in restaurants you know like jewels take where it was big maybe in the 2000s or early aughts to do these big half pound burgers that are cooked temp to order and I just, it's too much and I, it's difficult to do. And so I like the idea of the smash burger because you can smash them. They cook fast. So I knew that was another reason because a lot of places, you know, people don't want to eat any pink in their burger for the most part. Like I'm okay with it, but your average everyday person wants their meat to be cooked all the way in a burger, especially. So I kind of like that. I just thought we could put burgers out fast because even though we're, you know, a from scratch kitchen and make everything there. I still wanted to try and be fast, you know, it was kind of relatively fast is how I like to put it. <laughs> Not as fast as like taking it out of a steam table, but still we're cooking <laughs> yeah. it fresh, but yeah. it's also quick. And so, uh, so yeah, I, that's how we just do every burger we do is a double patty, um, for four and a half ounce total. And then, the pickles, I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of a bread and butter. I like kind of the sweeter, not sweeter. Like, so our pickles are, I'd say less sweet than your traditional bread and butter, but they got a lot of spice. Like I put curry powder in them and some chili flakes to kind of just kind of give you some different flavors, I suppose, in your burger. And then the mission sauce, like the classic OG mission burger by far the most popular and it's kind of our take on your classic so special sauce pickles onions lettuce and cheese um and i kind of like i said like keep the menu tight so we only have the one kind of cheese which kind of bums some people out but it just makes it so much easier to put food out quick i guess um so i made that decision and then i knew i wanted to do chicken the burgers were a hit from the get-go the chicken has been a process to get it it was a little bit more of a learning curve than i'd anticipated i guess explain that <laughs> but, a little but, bit but i feel like well just because you know i knew i wanted the brining and getting the salt proportion right to the buttermilk and we were using the pickle juice and how long do we brine it seasoning it afterwards getting the breading right um and then just the process in the restaurant because you know we cut and trim the chicken then marinate and bread and so getting it that consistency um and then just how we like how much do we prep ahead and how long is that chicken good for you know so it just it took a while but i feel like we got it in a really good spot right now you know and i part of food or restaurants is you're always just trying to be a little bit better the next day and constantly kind of learning. And that's what I'm always trying to like teach. It's like, you have to think a little bit, you know, and <laughs> cooking is 
it's all about the details, you know. And, and you have to learn from your mistakes really quickly. And you have to learn it. from your mistakes and not just keep doing it. You're like, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to do the same thing five more times. Yeah. You're like, insanity. no. I, yeah. Yeah. You're like, no, try something else. Like, and it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I guess not everybody's brain works like that, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just constantly trying to improve and being willing to kind of change things. And, but then it's tricky too, because then you got to, not change things too, you know, too much, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to like tweak one thing at a time because you don't want to tweak too many things at once and then lose track of what you're doing. So there's often multiple errors or learning lessons in a row or growing pains or another opportunity to grow. However you want to look at it, but it's often in food because a recipe has so many different ingredients in it. You can only tweak sometimes one at a time and, you know, it takes a lot of time to hone in, I find, like tweaking those little things and, and finding it. But you can't tweak too many. You can only tweak one because, you know, then you fix it or overdo it. You're like, well, what worked? What didn't work? Okay, well, let me go back to this. And um, it's almost like the science behind food, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Um, even though it's not something that needs science going into a restaurant, you're serving it. But I do feel there's a scientific fact as a chef that you're just trying to figure out the chemical reaction to the, to the food, to the taste buds, to, yeah. to life. So let's talk about like, you obviously then expand after the chicken, like it's burgers and chicken, but you, you do a lot of other things that are dedicated to the, the Mediterranean and the Northern African um, and Middle Eastern sort of tradition. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like where did all that come from? How'd you integrate that into a menu? Because you hear, burgers and chicken you don't usually think about these things but uh, to me i'm (laughs) drooling over a picture of uh, a mission kebab right now yeah that so i just started doing those a few weeks ago but it started when i did the menu because i put the falafel as our vegetarian sandwich on the menu and it's not in a pita it's just on our regular sesame seed bun um but you know i learned how to make falafel from ramsey um and I, that one I was nervous about putting on the menu, you know, because nobody, a lot of people here, you know, might not even know what a falafel is. Yeah. Um, and so, and then not having like a traditional kind of veggie patty, but it, it took off and like people, like it's one of my better sellers and I get a lot of meat eaters come through that are like, oh, I eat burgers, but I love that falafel. And so it kind of started with that. Um, and once that was, you know, successful, um, like I said, I kind of just wanted to keep playing and I felt there was some demand for some more vegetarian options, I suppose. Um, you know, not everybody wants to eat a cheeseburger two or three days a week. Uh, so true. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, so I've been I trying do, to, but not most people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I eat a lot less burgers than I used to for sure. Um, I try not to eat too many. I had one yesterday at a really good, like kind of, I was on a road trip. And had one at a small town burger place, and it was actually pretty good. It was one of the better ones I've had at a place like that in a while. That's awesome. You have the but, same. Uh, I love cheeseburgers. I love burgers. Yeah. I like. It's just one of those things that I like. It's always my go-to, no matter what. Like I just have a comfort in them that's unexplainable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they they are super good. Um, but yeah, so I just felt like there was some demand for some more, and so that's kind of where it started with. And I'm always, like I said, we trim our own chicken so i got scraps that i need to think of ways to use them up you know if i want to make money off of it and not just throw it in the trash or donate it or whatever um and so that's kind of where some of the the i've been trying to think of ways to do that um and i've done you know meatloaf chili different sandwiches um kind of tried making my own chicken kind of euro meat but this kind of it's like a kofta style kebab you know is what we've been doing lately and um, people have really been digging it. And, you know, we make the, the flatbread fresh and grill it right when they order it. Um, but, yeah, so I've just been kind of doing different kind of mezes, like different dips, hummus, baba, some of those types of things. And trying to pair it with like a seasonal salad. Because that was kind of the idea with the whole restaurant, too, is I wanted something to kind of be more, I'm not strictly seasonal, but I'm, I'd like to be like seasonally influenced, I guess. Um, which not a lot of places do at a drive-through burger and fried chicken restaurant. <laughs> so 
So it's a little bit of a hybrid, I guess. I love it. Like, what are yeah. your most popular items at your restaurant right now? Like, what are people, you mean, I love falafel too. Don't get me wrong. I was going to mention that. Like, I have this weird thing for falafel, and I like it both with chickpeas and um, I think they're called something. Oh, shoot. I can't remember the other bean. Gava bean. Like maybe. the fava. Flava. Thank you. Flava yeah. bean. And um, like, it's on the tip of my tongue. And I wish it was on the tip of my tongue in a falafel <laughs> form. But it's, um, but I like them um, especially the chickpeas. Uh, it's a little bit weird because my stomach like does a weird thing with chickpeas, but I love falafels. Okay. Like I, you know, I, I heavily love falafels. I think they're a great food. And I discovered them at like, I was like 14, 15 years old. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are incredible. So yeah, when you get a good one, they're really good. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about the most popular items on your menu. Like what do people yeah. really come in and order time and time again? I mean, the most popular is the the classic, that OG Mission Burger, um, far and away. Like, it's the majority of what I sell. Um, but uh, I really like the Old Smoky Burger. It's probably my favorite burger that's on there with the – we kind of – we cure and smoke our own pastrami and bacon. And so that one has um, our apple slaw, the mission sauce, and then crispy pastrami. Um and so I, I really like that one. It's kind of different. People, I <laughs> guess, aren't used awesome. to maybe getting like pastrami on the burger. And it's kind of like, so I, I looked up when I was kind of doing the menu, you know, you look for ideas and, um, you know, I was looking at all these different regional burgers from around the country. And that's one, I guess, that's kind of popular in, in Utah. Um, and so I kind of, it just sounded good. Because who doesn't like pastrami? Yeah, no kidding. Pastrami is awesome. Put it on a burger. But uh, so the OG Missions, by far and away, the most popular. Um, and then after that, it's kind of kind of a tie between the rest of the burgers. They kind of all go around the same. The Capital is probably the second most popular with bacon and caramelized onions. And then our apple barbecue sauce. Um, but uh, chicken-wise it's this, this kind of standard mission chicken. And so some of these recipes came from, you know, the tartar sauce came from the restaurant in New Zealand. Um, and it's like a really chunky one and, uh, just full of lots of fresh onions and herbs. And so, and it, it's, it's different than you get at like your average, you know, your average out of the jar tartar sauce, you know, cause it's just fresh and chunky. Um, and so that the mission chicken, just fried chicken sandwich with that tartar sauce, pickles and cabbage. Um, that's probably my go-to chicken sandwich, I'd say. I, I but, love uh, this. But then, and so, and some of these recipes, the onion ring recipe, which is different. So we do like a buttermilk marinade and then a cornmeal dredge. And I mean, that's kind of almost an exact carbon copy <laughs> to the onion rings we served at Lincoln where I worked in Portland. Um, I just remember eating them and being like, they were so different because usually you get these big, thick beer battered ones, you know, which are, which are fine, but I just liked how crunchy these were. And then they get a little greasy, you know, (laughs) and, and those are the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's kind of funny. Like they're kind of one of the more polarizing menu items I have because they're just different from what most people are used to getting when they get onion rings. And so people either tend to love them and think they're like the best or they hate them and they're the worst thing they've ever eaten. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but but I haven't but I haven't changed it cuz you know, I think they're delicious and I'm okay being a little bit different, you know. I kind of like being not polarizing but you know, at least not the same as every other shop down the road, you know. Do you make everything from scratch and yourself? You talked about the sauces and the the, the yeah. toppings and stuff like that and making your own pickles. You do it all yourself? Yeah, yeah. We do all that there. Um, you know, we do fresh cut fries too. So we cut fries and <clears throat> par them off every single day. Um, and so, yeah, not a whole lot comes in frozen. Like everything we do is pretty much, pretty much fresh. Um, we cut and slice all the, our own vegetables and stuff. Um, so yeah, not a lot sits around in the freezer. Love it. I love that. It's all from scratch. I love that you make your own sauces and stuff. And yeah, the sauces, we make every sauce like every week, um, sometimes twice a week. I love this. So I don't make, I don't make our own mayonnaise. uh I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. No kidding. Um, 
So, okay, like I love where this is going. Like talk to me about um, what you've learned the most from being like in the restaurants and in these other businesses to where now you're operating your own and you're actually in the entrepreneur space. Talk to me about the things that you've learned the most over the last, you know, since opening Mission uh, Burgers and Chicken. Uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of got, I, I didn't really think we got and got punched in the face right in the beginning. Um, I wish I would have staffed up a little bit more. Um, it, I wasn't ready for it to kind of take on the life that it did right when we opened. Um, I thought we'd kind of quiet open <laughs> and figure things out. I, I only started prepping like two days before we opened and then it was just crazy after that. So I kind of wish I had maybe spent a little bit more time <laughs> getting staffed up and ready to go, but uh, we were able to do it. Um, and then the biggest thing, like I like, I got to do our menu consistently every day, but then the specials is kind of what has kind of taken on has become a huge part of our business too. Um, and you know, which is, it's a lot of work to keep coming up with new, new ideas and then making them, making sure they're delicious and that the staff knows how to put them out, um, you know, the right way. So yeah, I, figuring out the, the special part. Cause then it, and it has like, if I don't have specials or fun, interesting stuff, like I notice business-wise it kind of just isn't the same you know yeah and it's really weird because even though people might not buy them there are they they're what leads them in the door and then they may go back to their traditional thing because they're just but there's this weird thing that happens where you're leading them in the door and um i think that that's really cool with specials and stuff like that and the creativity that goes on in restaurants is the ability to create things that attract people in the door even though they may not always order the special yeah and you know you just gotta keep you just keep trying to create and i mean i've always liked that about cooking obviously like i kind of said like i loved that kind of high energy intense stressfulness of the kitchen but then the creativity part came in and i mean that's what kind of keeps you interested because if i didn't do any of those specials i would be so bored um (laughs) because i i like creating new flavors and different ideas and and it's just, I'm just glad that, you know, other people are looking for that also. I love this. So, like, we really covered all the questions in your story. That was kind of cool. I've never had it go so smooth like that. Like, this went very well. I loved, like, okay. how we handled this, how we you told your story, how we layered it in. And so, like, Christian, I love your story. I love you know, that you built Mission Burgers and Chicken the way that you did. Could you tell everyone where they could find you online real quick? Yeah, so um, the our website is this mission-burger.com. Um, we don't update it a lot. We're getting ready to kind of update our menu this summer, and so we're going to be expanding it a little bit, and it'll be the first time we've done anything since we opened two years ago. But uh, so, yeah, that's the website. But um, the Instagram mission at Mission BNC um, is our Instagram. And that's kind of where the most content goes. But we also have our Facebook page, too. Um, that's just Mission Burgers and Chicken Wenatchee. And so, yeah, those those are the spots to find us. Awesome. OK, where are you hoping this goes? Like five, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. Where are you hoping this, this goes? Are you hoping to get into other restaurants or are you you hoping to grow this one? Yeah. So I'm actually getting ready to open another restaurant up the road in Leavenworth in a week or two. We're going to open. And then I'm also working on my catering company right now. Um, It's called Chop Chop Provisions. So I'm trying to um, build the website and kind of get all that stuff going right now. Um, but I kind of, I cater events throughout the, I have some events booked this summer, some weddings and different things, but, uh, for mission burger, I'd love to open another one. I really would. It's just it, expansion kind of scares me a little bit. Cause I, I see, I think you see it a lot where it just doesn't end up working out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, and so it's just going to be about finding the right location and then, but I'm getting to the point now where mission burger down here is 
I won't say operating on its own, but it's I'm allowed to kind of step away a little bit here and there. Um, and so I think it's moving in the right direction. But yeah, I would love to get another one or maybe I've been thinking about getting, you know, a food trailer and kind of going that route maybe um, first before going into another full on restaurant. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I mean, it'd be great to keep building Mission Burger up and open, you know. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to have you back on the podcast in a few sure. months and reach out to because I want to continue to tell the story of Mission Burger and Chicken, but I also want to talk about your new location. I want to yeah. talk about your catering. I want to make sure we dedicate an episode to it because I don't want to convolute things and I want to make sure we give Mission Burger and Chicken its glory, but I also want to give you as an entrepreneur a chance to tell the other parts of your story and give some time to give that some traction then we can a little bit reflect on mission and burger and chicken down the road but i really want to continue to tell your story and i yeah. i'm really interested in how you're expanding and what type of restaurants you have and the catering that you do and what type of catering that is but i want to leave everyone sort of with the same interests that i have and on the hook so we can retell your story but also give you time to get some of these businesses off the ground let these summer months start building up because i feel like we're in a whole new era. Like we're finally out of sort of mostly out of the fog of COVID. And like this summer is going to be a big summer for everyone. And I say I this a lot in my consulting. Everyone's like, oh, we're heading for financial winters and, and things are bad. Of course we are. We just went through a rapid period where we pumped all this money into economy to try to save everyone during a pandemic. And now there's <laughs> that money's gone. And so there's the downward effect. And for every winners, there's losers. And sometimes we're the winners and the losers. And yeah. But what <laughs> happens is the food entrepreneurs have risen out of COVID. The, the, really, the ones who hustle, the one of good products like you, Christian, and the momentum and the things that you're developing going into this summer as people are wanting to go out, they're finally wanting to experience more food. They're starting to do events and catering again. They're starting to trust that it's okay to go out and do these things, even if they were doing it before, not in the same way that we're trusting it now. And we've almost put everything in our rear view mirror. Thank goodness. But I'm really interested in continue to tell your story as you sort of ramp up for the summer and start to tackle some of these new things you're taking on. I'm very excited and I'm glad you're an entrepreneur who's doing more than one thing and growing yourself and your businesses through pursuit, you know? Yeah. Thank you. You're very yeah, welcome. Yeah. Cause I, I'd, I'd like to be more than just the burger boy in town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That can lead to a dentistry <laughs> crisis. It's, it's great, and, but yeah, and, yeah, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I want to, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It was great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And I will say this too, based on what you just said for the audience is when we get attached to one of our businesses, that business almost starts to define who we are and we're known as that. And if we don't yeah. keep hustling and we don't define ourselves, we, it can lead us to like imposter syndrome because you're like, wait, I'm not just the burger man. And wait a second, I am a chef and I see myself this way. And you can run into identity, identity things. And these are real problems for food entrepreneurs. When we get too attached to one thing or Absolutely. we don't grow our businesses, we get in these really weird mental health cycles and it's it's just for everyone to know because I've been there myself. I let my 24-year-old business define who I was and I stopped diversifying my business and I stopped being bold in it and I, and I started losing interest in it and I went through a crisis because I wasn't doing what we're talking about Christian doing. It was like when you're hot, you just keep moving, just keep pursuing, keep that momentum, keep growing. You may have some bumps in the road and some hiccups, but you're getting better at business and food and working with your customers and here's the other cool part is if you have customers in one business they're often willing to try your other businesses too oh, because sure. yeah. it, it's different and that's a really yeah. cool experience um so christian is there anything you want to say before we get off i no i mean not necessarily yeah. just thank you yeah and I, I look forward to talking to you again because i'm pretty excited about these other things i have on the horizon i guess the new restaurant called bear bear and bear then, uh, bear catering. love it is that b-e-a-r <laughs> yeah yeah just like the animal yeah i love this and we're going to talk about bear bear for sure where can the, do you already have instagram for bear bear and chop chop uh, yeah there, there 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 is um i haven't really done much on the chop chop provisions yet but bear bear there's an instagram and like i said we're getting ready to open um probably in a in a couple weeks um by next weekend for sure. And yeah, there's Instagram. I think it's bear bear PNW. Um, 
is I think the Instagram for that one. Cool. And I'll for the audience, so, yeah. I'll put links to Chicken Mission and Burger on there. Your Instagram. I'll also put your address, and I'll put the web address as well, or the web location. Great. Thank you. And I'll also put Bear Bear on there and Chop Chop Provisions. I'm, I bet I can find them on Instagram pretty easily. Yeah. And um, if you have a personal Instagram account that you want everyone to see as well, just shoot that over to me and I'll add it on there as well. Sure. Because I think you're a well-rounded human. I think that you have so many skills that life blessed you with that you stacked over like a worldly experience. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a very worldly experience because of the exposure and the experience in the education that you gave yourself, which I always call the three main E's of leadership. Um, and you experienced all them and it led you to your success, like making sure we educate ourselves, expose ourselves to the world and experience, get experience in what we want to do in life is so essential to being successful as an entrepreneur and a leader. So, Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Christian. I really yeah. appreciate you. Um, thank you everyone again for listening in and the downloads and whatever I told everyone I'd, I'd, uh, tell them the country it's Gabon G A B O N. I didn't even know that existed. I, it's a country in, um, in Africa. It's on, it's in Western Africa. It's like between Congo and Equatorial Guinea and uh or the republic of the congo and i i obviously it's there i i've like seen it on the map but i never like put two and two together and so it's like this what is this country that's come across um i think so that was kind of cool um and i liked learning about it i like every time a new country comes across my podcast or a new download or we take on a new country i always like learning about them so that's for the audience g-a-b-o-n um you should look it up. I believe that in order to be worldly and gain exposure, which I was going to anchor in this episode based on what I saw on Mission Burgers and Chicken in my research in their worldly view of food based on the menu, I knew Christian was going to be a guy who had an international perspective. And I thought it would be good to anchor this also for everyone. Go see the world, learn about the countries. And if you're a food entrepreneur or a foodie or whatever listening in or a person just interested in food, Look up countries around the world, not just the standard ones, to go to and see what their cuisines are. See where you might be able to find them in the United States or in your home countries um, and try to go experience it. There's so many places around the world, and I've had some of the best food I've ever had in like South Africa and in Zambia. You know, it's just crazy how good the food is around the world and they use different spices and different techniques and different cooking methods and it's just so cool like we're only the touch of the iceberg here in terms of our understanding as humans of the way the world eats and that's one of the reasons i'm doing the tv show foodtopia eat love learn is because i want to show the world the entrepreneurial experience but how much it has an impact on our culture and the food and stuff that are in these countries um and how people eat and how it really is the thing we have most in common. And we have a lot more similarities than we do differences and we should embrace those and break bread around them. So thank you again, Christian. Uh, I appreciate you again. And thank you everyone for listening in. I'm Justin Bizarro. You can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or the show. You can find me personally at Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And if you want to listen to us or the other podcasts that we do, the Night Dasher, D-A-S-H-O-R. It is a play on words. It is a play on a name uh, with Justin Bizarro. So that's the Night Dasher with Justin Bizarro. I also have the Justin Ryan Bizarro show, which is to do all the non-food entrepreneurs in the space that keep coming to me and asking me to be on this show, but I don't want to dilute the food entrepreneurs. And then last you have the Centurion Leadership Battalion, which is what used to be on this show. It was my motivational Mondays and we broke it off into another show. And at the time I was running a business and involved in a business with partners that desperately needed to redo our leadership. I'd taken my eye off the ball. I'd built other companies and subsidiaries as an entrepreneur. When I turned around and looked at all the people that were supposed to be building this business over the last eight or nine years that I was building it, I realized we had a leadership problem. And so that's where Centurion Leadership Battalion started. But now it's something for the masses. And I have a little more humbling since then. Uh, so I feel the content's much better. But thank you, everyone, for supporting all those. I see the downloads going up across the board, across all platforms, across all the podcasts I have. And then I see a lot of interest coming in for the Foodtopia show. So thank you, guys. You can find that on at Fitopia TV 
uh, on Instagram, and there will be a website called Fortopia TV launching relatively soon as well. So thank you everyone again for listening in, and we're out.